Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. Now, today's episode is all about the 2023 Game Awards, but I wanted to quickly touch on a few stories before we get to it, starting off with this one, a new report from IGN revealing that Bungie's independent future is now in jeopardy. One source told IGN that the mood and morale has been soul-crushing over the last month. Remember, over the last month, Bungie let go of, I believe it was 100 or over 100 employees, claiming that it was because Destiny 2 was just not doing very well. They missed their targets by, I believe, 45%. And because of that, they started not only just letting people go, but they started a bunch of cost cutting around the studios. Things like a hiring freeze, reducing travel budgets, uh, reducing morale events, pausing or fully ending benefits such as annual employee compensation adjustments to meet market rates uh, and then a bunch of other stuff on top of that. When Sony, apparently according to IGN, when Sony first entered into a purchase agreement with Bungie, part of the terms were they would remain an independent subsidiary run by its board of directors chaired by Pete Parsons. The company's board is currently made up of PlayStation Studios head Herman Holtz, Sony Senior VP Eric Lempel, Bungie co-founder Jason Jones, Bungie CTO Louis Villegas, and um, Parsons, who's the head of Bungie. Uh, and apparently he serves as a tiebreaker vote. Sources say they were told by leaders that the current split board structure is contingent on Bungie meeting certain financial goal goals. If Bungie falls short of certain financial thresholds by too great an amount, Sony is allowed to dissolve the existing board and take full control of the company. Uh, just all around pretty insane to... To read something like this, you know, Bungie has been independent for quite some time. They basically fought for their independence to break away from Microsoft. Microsoft granted them their independence while keeping the Halo IP. They then went on to partner with Activision. Activision published Destiny 1. And then I think it was either in the middle of Destiny 2 or at the beginning of Destiny 2. I can't remember. They decided to break off from Activision and just uh, publish and develop the game all by themselves. And I think Bungie has always been one of those companies in our industry that has almost like been very vocal about being independent. Like it's kind of been a part of their culture for quite some time. And this is really awful to hear about, especially because when this sale first happened, Bungie was telling their workforce that, hey, this won't result in layoffs. They made it a point to mention that they were still independent, basically kind of letting the public know that they control their games, they can do what they want, uh, especially in, in terms of doing things like multi-platform, for example. Like we know that when they announced Marathon, Marathon, they also did announce it for coming to Xbox and PC. So uh, that kind of has been proven that they have remained independent. This is just really interesting to find out that now 
if they missed their goal, and we don't know what this time period could be. But right now, things are looking really, really bad for Destiny 2. The numbers just really aren't there. And it's almost like they're banking everything on this next expansion. What's it called? The Final Shape, I think is what the name of it is. And it was delayed to, I believe, some point next year. So it, it, it this almost kind of reads like if that thing fails, then Sony will assume full control over Bungie, which I think it's like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, is it the worst thing in the world? No, I kind of, I, I don't think so. I mean, you look at the level of success for every studio that has been purchased by Sony. I don't think that anyone can sit down and be like, wow, this is the worst thing to ever happen for Sony to fully own Bungie. But I think a few things will happen. Number one is, is the exclusivity, I think, comes back in-house. I think if they have control, I, I believe one of the first things that they might do is cancel the Xbox version of Marathon. I think they, they'd be cool with releasing on PC, but I could see them canceling the Xbox version. Uh, I think I think more of the big loss is just for those employees. It, you know, Bungie's always had kind of like that independent spirit, and now their leader is just kind of, basically sold the company you know uh in a sense by having this clause in the contract now remember this is all it, it is a reliable source i believe the writer of this article is rebecca valentine so it is a reliable source but this has not been confirmed nor denied from bungie obviously they wouldn't speak about this but i do feel confident enough to talk about it because that is a pretty reputable source that we can't talk about this as if it does exist which is just kind of crazy that one day might come where Bungie loses its independence again. Next, I want to touch on was that Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer they released last week and broke several records. Guinness World Records has recognized it as the most viewed video game reveal on YouTube in 24 hours with over 90 million views. The most liked video game trailer on YouTube with 8.9 million likes in 24 hours. And then the most viewed non-music YouTube video in 24 hours, 90 million versus 59.4 set by Mr. Beast. Now, the world record for YouTube in 24 hours is set by BTS. And I, I believe is 108 million, I think was the was the number. And if that if the Grand Theft Auto trailer did not leak, they probably could have reached that. Uh, I, I honestly did not have any idea that it leaked i was I, I was working on something on my computer and then i saw an alert that the trailer was debuting and i myself thought that rockstar messed up i was like oh man is this a mistake the rockstar kind of flipped the switch a little bit too early and then after i watched the trailer that's when i found out that for about 30 minutes apparently a version of it had leaked with like a giant buy btc bitcoin sort of watermark or something like that in front of it. I feel pretty confident as this enormous Grand Theft Auto fan that if I would have known that leak had happened, I probably would not have watched it. And you kind of, I kind of saw that on Twitter. A lot of people just saying like, nope, I, I refuse to watch this. It just shows like the amount of respect that, uh, that Rockstar commands. Uh, I mean, look, everything about this game looks phenomenal. Uh, it's everything that I wanted. I was wrong about so many things, right? I, uh, uh, I, I really, actually, no, not really so many things because, you know, last week I had talked about how it might be called just Grand Theft Auto. That was like a, a, a throwaway thing. I really genuinely thought the game would have launched late 2024. And I think the reason why I thought that was 
there's really no reason for this game to have been announced right now. That's kind of my my thing. That's my issue with with this announcement is I really wish this would have just happened next year. This is something that Rockstar does that I dislike. I just don't like the way that Rockstar Rockstar's marketing rollout where they show one trailer and then you have to wait about a year until you see this game again. I think Red Dead Redemption 2, the time between the first two trailers was 11 months. I think Red Dead 5 was around like 15, 16 or something like that. I hate that. I, I, I just genuinely don't like it. And it's so it's so immensely unnecessary, right? I mean, these guys, all they did was tweet the existence of the next Grand Theft Auto. And that thing had like the most, it was like the most liked tweet of all time. And I know sometimes people talk about like games get announced early, you know, uh, to bolster shareholder confidence and all this other stuff. But this is kind of one of those games where it's like, yeah, you kind of don't need that. You know, <laughs> like, you, like you really don't need that to happen. So I, I personally, the only negative that I found with that trailer was that it released now, I just feel like there was no need for it. If they felt like they wanted to do something, I think just announcing the name, announcing uh, uh, the city, maybe the logo, I, I personally think that would have been enough and then wait until at least the middle of next year to actually release, release that first trailer or maybe just release key art showing uh, Lucia and Jason, especially because everyone was already aware of their presence. We all knew Lucia Jason because of the leak. So I feel like they should have just done like that key art first and then release the trailer next year. Um, just because I, I just, I, I hate it. As, as like, as a fan, I was such a huge fan of this franchise. I hate that they showed this and it looks so absolutely phenomenal. You know that everything that you're seeing is running in real time. That's just how Grand Theft Auto works. They don't do bull shots. Uh, they don't really show anything that's out that's outside of what the engine can handle. And the majority of the time, probably I would probably say close to 100% of the time that they announce a game, especially the last few, Grand Theft Auto 4 or 5, Red Dead Redemption 2, anytime that they show it and we're all like, wow, this game looks incredible, it always looks better than what we saw by the time it comes out. And that's how I kind of feel about this trailer because if we're seeing it now, December 2023 this thing was probably built out from footage earlier in the year who knows how how much further they've gotten and there's so many things from the character models to the population density i think was a big thing that stood out to me and then just the character detail especially the hair the hair is probably the most advanced hair physics i think i've ever seen in a video game yeah it just looks phenomenal and then the last thing I just wanted to touch on real quick before I get to the Game Awards is the day before. So last week, the day before finally released in early access, it instantly became overwhelmingly negative on Steam. Uh, over 16,000 reviews, but only 18% were positive. And one thing that I found interesting was that I filtered the reviews by up to two hours and 10,000 of those reviews were two hours or less, meaning someone played two hours or less before leaving the review. And surprise, surprise, the refund window for Steam is two hours. So it seems like, you know, like I said, I have 16,000, 10,000 people played under two hours before they left the review, which kind of makes me feel that they've probably got a lot, a lot of refunds. They lost over 50% of players within a day. 
it was really big on, on Twitch day one, which I wasn't surprised by because a lot of the large streamers were streaming it. But what surprised me the most was I went back and I, and I watched my video that I made on, on, on our YouTube channel. That one is called the day before is the day before scam. And it's, it's my most successful video on the channel. I think it's like, like at 17,000 views. And I was blown away at how absolutely correct I was front to back by that video. How from the very beginning, I was like, yeah, this game isn't real to the very end when I was talking about like, you know, is this a scam? Maybe. And well, when I was talking about maybe I was saying, yeah, they're, they're going to release a game. Cause at that point, some people were thinking that they, they weren't going to release a game at all, but I was like, yeah, they're going to release a game, but this is how it's going to be. And pretty much exactly how I explained it was what happened. And I ended that video by saying, do not buy this game at launch. And, and I was a thousand percent right about that. So some people are upset. They're calling it scam and I get it. I went on their YouTube channel. They deleted a bunch of their old videos the Steam description, I don't know if they change it, but the Steam description still says that it's, it's an open world MMO, which is just categor categorically false. Um, yeah, these, these this team just kind of shot themselves in the foot. And I think what's really interesting is that when you look at the game, they, they have something, like something is there, right? It's obviously not very functional, but I think if they would have introduced this into early access at, a, at, at no more than 30 bucks, and if they would have been very transparent with their fans and if they would have been transparent and said like, look, this was our original target open world MMO. We unfortunately not going to be able to hit that, but this is what we're going to do. We're actually pivoting to an extraction shooter kind of experience uh, because there are a lot of things about the game where it's like, okay, there's, there's some good here. It's not just like completely a thousand percent awful. But you can tell like it's it's it really wasn't ready to release, um, not even yet in that state. And because of what they did, they sort of lost so much goodwill at this point. Uh, who knows if they can ever, you know, turn it around. So let's go right into the 2023 Game Awards. Um, I have a lot to say about this show i'm gonna give some of my thoughts as i go through i'm gonna go through the entire run of show from announcements to awards and then at the end of it i'll talk about my feelings and and you know everyone else's feelings i guess uh starting off with this a really cool announcement brothers a tale of two sons is getting a remake coming next february this one actually kind of, I, I believe it leaked like a day or two before the Game Awards. Brothers of Tale of Two Sons was one of my favorite Xbox 360 games. It is phenomenal. It's an amazing game. It was headed by Joseph Forrest, who uh, most recently, his most recent creation was It Takes Two, that, that one game of the year. Uh, what was that, like 2020 or 21? One of those two, I think it was 21, which is amazing. Um, yeah, it, it's just a phenomenal game. I think it's, I, if I remember correctly, it was single player, but you can control both brothers. I think one is with like the left stick and the left trigger. The other one is with the right stick and the right trigger, but it just really, it just works really, really well. Um, I'm definitely looking for, I, I might buy this again just to replay that game. It was so good. Uh, then we get our first award of the night, which was best family. And the winner for that to no one's surprise was super Mario brothers. Wonder, 
Uh, if you've listened to Camp Koji long enough, you've probably heard me say this at least three times before. Uh, this is probably going to, this is definitely going to be the fourth, which is I still don't understand why this category exists. <laughs> uh, Nintendo has now won this category eight out of the last 10 years. Uh, it's pretty much a Nintendo award at this point. I also specifically do not understand why this was handed out on the side of the stage. So this was a pre-show award, but they handed it out on the side and Nintendo president Doug Bowser was able to come up and give a, a short speech. Uh, that was definitely one of the big issues with the show that we're going to talk about at the end was the, the lack of speeches and the lack of time for speeches. And the way that I look at it is like, if you're planning out every minute and part of it is like, okay, we have to be very selective of what games we give out so someone comes to the microphone and accepts it this would be at the bottom of the list purely because you know uh no offense to nintendo absolutely no offense at all uh, i would love for every single one of these awards for someone to be able to come up and talk but if i'm part of the decision making of the run of show and i know that some of these are going to have to go into like a rapid fire category i'm probably going to put the one where one company has won this eight times already. Like I'm pretty sure that's the one that should go into rapid fire. We we really don't need to hear from uh, Nintendo again. No offense. Once again, then we had a few announcements, uh, excuse me, more, more trailers for new games, Pony Island two Panda circus, which looked insane from the creators of inscription that didn't have a date. It was like 2025, 26. So it just kept flick, flipping back and forth. The Rise of the Golden, uh, Golden Idol and Usual Jane were two other games. Those look kind of cool. Then we had the award for Innovation in Accessibility, which was won by Forza Motorsport. Now, this is a good example. This was one where uh, they actually were able to come up and accept the award and give a speech. Yes, this is an award that personally, in my opinion, should have been given away at the main stage. But uh, at the very least, at least they were able to walk up and, and talk about it. One thing that I liked about this award, and I, I, if I'm not mistaken, last year, they, the last two years, they gave it out sort of with in the main stage with a speech because the first one to win it was Last of Us. And that was during the, um, the year where, where we were like in lockdown. And I think they had to like receive the award through like a webcam at home. But I think the last one was... I feel like it was Forza again, but it was Forza Horizon and they were able to accept it on stage. But what I like was that when they went through the nominees, each nomination is is sort of showed you why they were nominated. So when they brought up God of War Ragnarok, they showed like this technique for like color blocking and stuff like that to make it easier for people that have sight issues and then, uh, you know, Forza Horizon had the whole thing where they had ASL, I think, during cutscenes and stuff like that. Um, so I, I was I, I thought that that was missing because they just read these off by name. They didn't show any footage of it. But at the very least, they were able to walk up and uh, and and uh, and give a speech. Actually, I was wrong. Last year was God of War Ragnarok. I actually have it written in my notes. So it was two years ago. That it was Forza. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's really cool. They were able to give a speech. Then we had our first rapid fire of the evening, of the evening, which is esports. So 
I had made a short video about the Game Awards that I published on the channel last week about Game Awards independent problem. And I talked about that this these categories should just be eliminated. And I went through the history of the Game Awards and this this category has always been rapid fire. The most that they've done is give away one award on the stage. They've done that in the past. I think they once gave it to, to team on stage and then I think they did best esports athlete a few times. Like I remember Sonic Fox won one year. He went up in the whole blue suit and everything like that. But over the last, I think, two to three years, including this one, esports gets absolutely uh, no speeches. They get no nothing on the main stage. It's always pre-show and it's always rapid fire. So to me, I would I literally would rather you remove all five of these and just get rid of esports altogether. There is already an esports award that does a much better job recognizing that sport than the game awards does. And you could probably have used that time to even just give out one award where someone additionally could have uh, spoken or maybe even two if it would have just been quickly back to back. Then we got some more trailers, Windblown, um, that looked uh, pretty cool. Uh, even though it's a roguelite, like I, I'm so immensely over roguelikes by now. <laughs> like I'm so done with that genre. Uh, Thrasher from the same team behind Thumper. I played Thumper. I thought it was pretty cool. This, that looked kind of neat. Dave the Diver is getting a dredge crossover. I love when indies cross over of one another. I think it's cool. And, the, and these two crossing over made so much sense. Then we got uh, the award for content career of the year, which went to Iron Mouse. Last year was Ludwig and uh, she had a video message. This is once again, another one where no offense to Iron Mouse, a few things. Number one, this award should not be part of the show. In my opinion, content creator of the year, if you want to continue doing it, there's a very simple solution. Number one, this should be 100% fan voted. Uh, that's numero uno. Uh, number two, this is something that should be honestly given out on, I would give this away on Twitter, to be honest with you. Whoever the winner is, I would just announce it on Twitter before the show even starts um, or or give it to this person in the pre-show. But doing it on Twitter, then they can give like a recipient speech or something like that, which obviously doesn't take up any time from uh, the show. But yeah, I mean, like Iron Mouse, which is the content creator, was able to speak and accept this award. But the people that actually create the video game, so many of them were not able to speak when they received their award. It's just decisions like like this where I just don't get it. I don't understand how you're a producer and you're working on the run of show and you're sitting there you're like, yeah, we, 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 we need to hear from Iron Mouse. We need to hear her. We need to hear the, the acceptance speech from the content creator of the year during the game awards, not the people that actually create the video games. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, then the show started and we got uh, our first award that was given out, which was best performance that was given out to new Neil Newbon, uh, who played Asterian. This I was surprised by. I really thought it was going to go to Ben Starr, but that was cool. And this was kind of the first controversial part of the show. Christopher Judge, who won last year for his role as Kratos, came on. And uh, he riffed a bit. He kind of, I kind of find it kind of funny because it was sort of a joke about how he takes so long. He took so long last year. He, he gave like an eight minute speech and somehow they could not cut him off. 
whatever the reason. So the you know he was like joking, and that's how we, as he was talking, they started playing the wrap it up music, which was kind of like eerie because it became sort of like <laughs> like the uh, the the signal for the rest of the night, except it wasn't a joke to so many people for the rest of the night. And a lot of people were hung up about this joke that he made where he said that his speech last year was longer than uh, this year's Call of Duty campaign. And when I first heard it, I was like, whoa, wow, that's that, that was kind of crazy. On one hand, I kind of like, you know, uh, I would be open to the idea of, of introducing like a comedian to open a show and, and do like a little roasting session for the uh, for the industry. The issue with that joke, though, and, and the reason why I myself, I found it tasteless was because we're all aware of why that game's campaign was so short. And it was not just corporate greed, which is obvious, right? But the fact that we know for a fact that that team crunched and worked nights and weekends to deliver that game in 16 months. So that's why I think I found it a little bit tasteless that uh, during the Game Awards where we're meant to, to honor and celebrate these developers, uh, that game was a perfect example of the worst part of our industry. So for it to be you know, made a joke of, eh, I wasn't personally a fan of it. Then we got, uh, oh, and then that reminds me, and then Neil, Neil Newbon came up to receive the award and he got played off. I think it was like 40 seconds into his speech. He began to get really emotional talking about how he's been contacted by so many people about how that, how Baldur's Gate made them feel seen. It was, it was a very, very emotional, amazing speech. And he was just cut off because they started playing the wrap it up music. And that really frustrated me a lot especially because Christopher Judge, for his joke about taking so long, took so long. Like his introduction to this was over two minutes. So it's like, it just sucks that it's like, so Christopher Judge, and this happened numerous times during the show, the presenters weren't told to wrap it up, right? The presenters didn't have to wrap it up. So they sucked up all this time. And then by the time I got to the person actually receiving the award, uh, by about the 42nd mark on average, the wrap it up music started playing uh, pretty uh, disrespectful all around. Then Matthew McConaughey, for some reason came out and he announced he was part of a game called Exodus. Not really sure what his part is. If he's producing bankrolling, I don't know. I didn't hear his voice, so I'm not really sure what part of it. So uh, he announced a game called Exodus. Eh, I, get, I, yeah, take it or leave it. Uh, and you know, it wasn't really a, a nothing that moved me. Then we saw God of War Ragnarok Valhalla DLC, which I was so initially pumped when I saw Kratos. I was thinking to myself, oh my God, they're going to release an expansion. No, it's, it was a roguelite mode. The moment that I found out it was a roguelite, I let out the biggest groan, like, oh my God, please, no. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just, if you love it, that's great, but I'm 1,000% over roguelikes. I think, you know, I commend Sony for giving that mode away for free. I think that's pretty amazing. But I have no reason to reinstall that game just to play a roguelike. It's, I'm, it's just not something I'm personally interested in. Um, you know, I'm kind of interested in what the narrative is that surrounds it. I was just watching on YouTube. Uh, Big Walk was a game that was announced from House House, the guys who make Untitled Goose Game, which is a multiplayer game that looked kind of fun. Uh, then we saw Hellblade 2. And... Um, 
Microsoft finally gave it a release window of 2024 coming to PC and Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I don't know, you know, you know, this game looks really good. And I think I saw some people online, I think even Destin from IGN had posted up a video about how he was surprised that um, it feels like so many people are quiet about this game. Like it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of excitement or hype around it. And I think there are a few reasons for that. Number one, Hellblade 1 wasn't this huge, gigantic game. Like it was, a, critically, it did really well, but commercially, it didn't really do that well. On top of that, I think the reason why people aren't really excited, and that's also myself included, I'm not super excited for Hellblade 2, is actually Xbox's marketing. It, it was their fault, to be honest. They announced this game way too early, and the problem is, is it's almost like they've been afraid to show the game. Like one of the last times they showed it, it's like they're leaning so much on the technology. It really feels like sometimes it does feel like there's like a tech demo. And I think there's a lot of people are like, is there a game here? Like what's what's happening? Like they're trying to sell me Unreal MetaHuman and, and these lifelike faces, which is great. But I think so many people don't really understand what type of game this is, which is kind of in line with Hellblade 2. Hellblade 2 was kind of a weird sort of game. It didn't really rely a lot on combat, for example. That wasn't really the big draw of the game. I still have to play. I started. I actually never finished it. But I think that's really it, is that Microsoft has just done a very poor job of marketing this game. Or actually, I should say that they, they began marketing it way too early, where I think the last time we saw a gameplay was like over two years ago or something like that. It's, it's, I think that's really uh, the big reason why. I think as it gets closer to release, we'll see a little bit more hype. Um, but they, A, need to, they, they really need to reveal more about this game. But B, I also believe that this is the closest currently that Xbox is going to get to a game of the year. Um so far, we really don't know too much about 2024 right now. We definitely don't know what PlayStation is planning for 2024. I personally don't think we're going to see Wolverine in 2024. Obviously, I could be wrong. But as of right now, Hellblade 2, if it releases in 2024, that might be uh, Xbox's biggest chance in a while to win uh, Game of the Year. Then we got to Best Narrative, which was won by Alan Wake 2, which was phenomenal. That's who I was re rooting for. Uh, for this category, it was so great to see Sam Lake come up and accept that award. Unfortunately, once again, he was played off after about like 40 seconds of talking. He just kept going, which I thought was amazing. But obviously, that really sucked. Um, then uh, we got an announcement of a new studio uh, and a game called Komori, I, I completely forgot this um, woman's name that owns this studio that she came out. Ikumi Nakamura um, came out onto the stage. For those that forgot, she she at one point worked for Tango. She worked on Ghostwire Tokyo. She left and now she formed her own studio. And it was just a CD trailer. Uh, looked kind of cool, but obviously have no idea what this game is. So pretty hard to get excited about. Uh, the next one was a cool one. It's from Moon Studios, who created Ori. And they finally announced the game that they've been working on, which is called No Rest for the Wicked, which is sort of this 2.5D adventure game. Looks phenomenal. Definitely one of the best-looking games that we saw during the whole show. They gave us a really good chunk 
of cinematic and gameplay. Um, and all they said was that March 1st, we're going to hear some more information about it. But it looks really, really good. Then we got the award for best debut indie, which went to Cocoon. I was kind of surprised by that. I really thought it was going to go to Dredge, but I thought that was kind of cool that it went to Cocoon. Once again, this was another issue during acceptance where, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have their names in front of me, but uh, the guy that came up to, to talk first gave his part of the speech. And then when the woman stepped forward to talk, they started playing the music that was going to cut to commercial. And then when she started to talk, instead of turning off the music, they just sort of uh, uh, dimmed it down. They ducked it down. Uh, that didn't really help out too much. Um, yeah, it, I think this was like a moment that was like the tipping point for me when I saw this, because it is just one of those things where it's like you almost feel like there's these producers behind the board and they're like, we need to save every single split second. It's almost like they're sitting there and they're like just waiting. It's almost like, okay, you're talking to shut up already. Show Okay. It looked like he stopped talking. Boom. And then like smashing that button almost immediately. It, it's just like every single person, it almost felt like every person that came up to give a speech was rushed, which was uh, pretty awful. Then we got this crazy announcement from Sega. So before the game war, Sega was handing, was mailing these postcards out to different content creators that said new era, new energy. And we found out what that meant. And for Sega, that meant dipping back into the vault and reviving a bunch of classics. Now, this is something that's been rumored for a while. The only ones that were rumored, though, was Jet Set and Crazy Taxi. With Jet Set, they did have a leak uh, at some point. I think it was early this year. They had a leak where it sh showed a little bit of the art style. We saw like a tiny bit of footage about it. But the other three were complete surprises. So it was Jet Set Radio, Shinobi, Streets of Rage, Golden Axe, and Crazy Taxi. This is interesting for so many reasons. Um, and I think it's both good and bad. Number one, I love the transparency of this. This is basically something that I feel normally Sega would have just tried these out one by one. Maybe they would have announced this one game. And then one question about it, they would have just said, maybe it was Jet Set because I, I feel like that's the one that's furthest along because of the leak and the fact that the footage that was shown, we we the biggest chunk of gameplay went to, to to Jet Set. So it sort of seems like that one and the Crazy Taxi may be a little bit further along than the other three, but that's obviously just a guess. I could have seen them like back in the day just kind of announcing one of them and just sort of cryptically saying like, yeah, we are looking at the rest of some of our classics and thinking about if we should revive anything else. But I thought this was like really crazy, very different from the way our industry operates, which is just sort of letting people in, just saying like, yep, these are five games that we're working on. The negative, though, is that everything that we saw was a target, which means that I don't think that anything that we saw is super indicative of what we might see, especially Streets of Rage and Golden Axe. Those two look extremely rendered compared to the others. Jet Set looked pretty solid uh crazy taxi looked like a a mix of like a target video i don't think a lot of it really looked like actual gameplay shinobi looked like something that they could hit but streets of rage and golden axe almost looked a little bit too polished it was like a little bit too shiny to me that made it almost uncanny i think that's the negative to this is that it is very 
pre-production. This is this is almost like something you build internally as a team to sort of sell the game first. Like you're bringing these videos to Sega executives and saying like, this is what we want Streets of Rage to look like. We want it to be 3D now instead of 2D. And so it was like an arena fighter this time. Same thing with Golden Axe. It was not 2D anymore. Uh, maybe you're talking about multiplayer. You build this target for what it might look like. So I think that a lot of these look like those types of target ones. I think Jet Set and probably Shinobi look closest to actual gameplay. But I thought this was really interesting from uh, from Sega. I really, really liked it. They also did sort of comment on Virtual Fighter a bit because a lot of people myself were asking about that. And they did say that is it is something almost like they're considering. I don't have the exact quote, but that's the feeling that I got from it, that it's something that they have talked about. Then we got a few more trailers. We got Dragon Ball Sparking Zero, which is kind of sort of a spiritual Tenkaichi uh, um, sequel. That looked pretty cool. The casting of Frank Stone, a single-player game from the Dead by Daylight developer set in the same universe. That looked kind of cool, even though it's pretty much all CG. Visions of Mana looked really great. I thought it was like uh, Dragon Quest at first, but I love the visual style of it. That looked really cool. And then we got another Rise of the Ronin trailer. Nothing new there. Uh, just a little bit more gameplay. That game is PS5 exclusive next, I think it's March. I could be wrong about that. I don't have the notes in front of me. Uh, then we got another segment of Rapid Fire, the things that everyone loves, right? Best action went to Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. I really wish the team from, from software would have been able to accept this award. Fortunately, they did it. Best art direction went to Alan Wake 2. Uh, I was a little bit surprised. I, I, I guess I was surprised. Uh, I kind of get it, right? Because they they the leverage of multimedia. Um, but I wouldn't have been mad if it would have gone to any of these other ones, especially Hi-Fi Rush. Best VR AR went to Resident Evil Village. Best mobile went to Honkai Star Rail. And then we went right into the next reveal, which was another controversial part of the show, which is Hideo Kojima. And it's it started off with just a bunch of talking heads, a bunch of different actors. And then it was revealed that it was OD. And this is Kojima's game that he's working on with Xbox, the game that apparently needed the Xbox cloud in order to function. They didn't really say much. All he said was that it's sometimes a game, sometimes a movie, but a new form of media. Uh, then Jordan uh, Peele came out. Uh, he announced that he was collaborating on it. And then Kojima confirmed that there are other directors and creatives that he's working with for this game. Um, so the reason why this was controversial was simple. Uh, Kojima was able to talk about this game for eight entire minutes and it was just way too long for something that he obviously was not ready to talk about. There really weren't any details. There were no details given in terms of how this game is played, how it works exactly. Uh, my big thing is why was the cloud needed? That's my big question. I want answered. Why does this game require the cloud. And I think that this is one of those segments in the show where it's like, it was really cool to hear that, you know, uh, symphony, that music play, um, from, uh, 
what's the name of that movie? Us, the Us soundtrack playing. And then, you know, Jordan Peele coming through the door. I thought that was a really, really cool moment. And I think that it would have been cool if the rest of the show wasn't handled so disrespectfully. So when you're rushing everyone else, like, okay, hurry up and shut up, uh, you know, accept this award, hurry up and get out the way so I can, you know, run another ad, run another commercial, tell you about another game that comes out in five years or whatever, right? If if that wasn't there, this would have been a cool moment. But because of that, um, this moment really sucked because you look at it and you go, yep, this could have easily been a three-minute segment. Easily, easily could have been a three-minute segment, uh, including having Jordan Peele come out. Um, but it's it's it. I think it's it's just kind of one of those things where it's like Jeff Keeley is almost like the good, right? Like he's the champion. It's great that he built this and put this together. But sometimes it's almost like he is the show's worst enemy. Because it's just hard to not understand that this happened because Kojima is like, you know, uh, for whatever reason, is like uh, this man's best friend. Like this man, this guy is obsessed with Kojima. And, um, you know, and it, I just feel like it's a little bit of like, it, it kind of is a conflict of interest. It ha- This is the second time I feel like it's happened, a conflict of interest with Kojima, where he's able to have eight minutes to tell us absolutely nothing about his game because there's nothing to really talk about. Um, and then the same thing happened, I think it was in 2015, I believe it was, because I think in 2014, Metal Gear Solid Five won an award. Konami didn't let him come on stage. And Jeff Keighley stopped the show, stopped the show to say, like, I can't believe Konami didn't let him here. And he basically, you know, wanted to... Put, I want to say, throw Konami under the bus. I guess just drive the bus <laughs> over Konami publicly, you know, almost publicly humiliate them. And then, surprise, surprise, the very next year, the very first award that's giving out is the Industry Icon Award to Kojima. And it's one of those things where it's like, I can't sit here and say that Kojima's not deserving of that award, but it's like, are we really going to sit here and think that? Jeff Keighley didn't pull that string and say, nope, this year we're giving it away to Kojima. Well, we know that there are probably other people that are probably a lot older that existed towards the beginning of video games that probably uh, would have, should have gotten that award first. Miyamoto never got an industry icon award, for example. I think that he is absolutely deserving of one before Kojima, as much as I love Kojima and all the games he's worked on. It's one of those things where you know he got the trophy because of Jeff Keighley. And the same thing with this OD game, having eight minutes. He got that window of time because Jeff Keighley let him have it, even though there just really there just wasn't any reason for it. And this man had his, his own stage entrance and his own door and the smoke and the lights. And it's just like, yeah, uh, just annoying because of the way that so many other people were treated. And... It's one of the fundamental issues with the Game Awards. We're not celebrating what's happening now. We spend more time celebrating what's happening in the future, talking about a video game that doesn't even have a launch year attached to it. So, yeah. Um, We got a trailer for a game called Jurassic Park Survival. That's kind of hard to put your hands on because it was mostly all CG. Um, 
Best audio design was Hi-Fi Rush, which was pretty cool and amazing. They were able to come up and receive their award. Ready or Not had a trailer announcing that they were officially releasing 1.0. Games for Impact, I was very surprised, went to Chia, which I was extremely happy about. I do have a review for Chia up on the YouTube channel. I loved it. It was one of my favorite games of the year. Then we got a few uh, announcements. Tales of Zenzera, Z-A-U, or Zao. Uh, that game looked really cool. Lost Records, Bloom and Rage from Don't Not, so another narrative adventure. The first Berserker, Kazan, which eh, looked okay. I'll take it or leave it. Apex Legends is having a crossover with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, then we got another Rapid Fire. Best score in music went to Final Fantasy XVI, which kind of sucks, because if that was on stage, it would have been the one time it would have heard from the Square Enix team. Best Indie, this is definitely one of the most unfortunate ones that was Rapid Fire with Sea of Stars. They weren't given a chance to receive the award, which is crushing. Best Community Support went to Baldur's Gate 3. Best Fighting went to Street Fighter 6, uh, which is cool. That means that uh, they won Best Fighting two Street Fighters in a row. It did win uh, Best Fighting Street Fighter 5 also. Most anticipated was Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Uh, then we got one of the biggest trailers of the evening, Marvel's Blade. Um, this sort of leaked, I think it was like the day before the show. I had come across it on Twitter and I thought it was like wishful thinking. I've gotten to this point with leaks where I think when I read something, I my mind just enters into a defense and my, my brain just goes, yeah, that's fake. You know, just so I'm still surprised. And when they were playing that trailer, I'm like, what? I was sitting there, I'm like, what is this? I was like, is this Deathloop 2? And then I saw a black man in, in the chair. I was like, okay, maybe it's Deathloop. But then look closer at his face. I'm like, okay, that's not the same character from Deathloop. And then the moment that I saw those fangs, I was like, oh, okay, cool. So it is Blade. Um, this had a lot of controversy because there was no Xbox logo attached. And this is developed by Arcane Leon. Now, a few things could, could be happening here. Number one, it could be that Arcane Leon signed this deal. Uh, Arcane Leon and Bethesda signed this deal before they were purchased by Xbox. And for that reason, the contract and all the work had already begun on making a PlayStation version. And Xbox wanted to show this trailer, but maybe they weren't ready to confirm that it's coming to PlayStation. That's one scenario. There's been a rumor for quite some time that the Indiana Jones games, that uh, game singular, sorry, that Machine Games is, is working on the Wolfenstein team, I believe. There's rumors that that game is going to be multi-platform because when they signed that contract with Lucas to license the character, the contract was, part of the contract was that it had to be multi-platform. So that's one scenario of what could be happening here. What I believe is, is happening, what's likelier, is that this is being affected by what's happening with the Federal Trade Commission right now with, in the United States of America. And um, I think it, it's just like deja vu because last year Xbox didn't show anything at the Game Awards and people thought it was because of the Activision Blizzard purchase. I said, no, I don't think that's why. This time I actually think this is part of the reason. So right now, the Federal Trade Commission and the United States is still trying to get this purchase blocked. But unlike the CMA, their big problem is not cloud gaming. Their big problem is exclusivity. The FTC's biggest, I guess, defense 
is that if Xbox owns all this stuff, they can make any of it exclusive at any point, and that's why it's anti-competitive, right? Um, so because of all this talk right now with the Federal Trade Commission and, and, and because their case is really hinging on exclusivity, I think that's why they did not attach their logo to Marvel's Blade. Even when you look at OD, uh, they did say Xbox Game Studios, but there wasn't really a mention. Like like Kojima's translator said, created in partnership with, with Microsoft and in, or in, in partnership with Xbox. But what's weird is that the OD trailer is on the Xbox YouTube channel. Marvel's Blade is not. That is not on the YouTube channel. I personally just can't imagine a scenario where if Xbox is part of this, these negotiations with Marvel that, and Marvel would say, Hey, we want you guys to, would you guys like to work on a blade game? Right. And let's say they find the perfect studio, RK Leon. Perfect. There's a match made in heaven. If Marvel says, but we want this to be multi-platform. I just don't see Xbox going, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll make the game. I think at that point, Xbox goes, no, thank you. We're not interested in the license. Because it's, it's, it's simple math, right? Xbox, is, is the rebuttal to Marvel is instant, right? You're telling Marvel, well, PlayStation now has two, not just two, but two of your biggest characters, Spider-Man and Wolverine. Both of those are exclusive. And, and remember, it's like universes, right? The Spider-Man universes, of almost like the universes of characters is exclusive to, to that Spider-Man game. But obviously, we'll just talk about specifically the hero. For Xbox, that's an instant rebuttal. So they have two of your most popular characters, Wolverine and Spider-Man, exclusive. And you're telling me that we can't get Blade exclusive? No, I'm not signing this deal. So I do think it's exclusive, but because of the FTC deal, they're not going to talk about it. And when they've been asked for a comment, all Bethesda has said is that we have no comment. So I personally believe that that's what's happening here. I don't think that this is multi-platform. I do think it's still going to be Xbox or PC. Um, but that I think the FTC thing is the reason why they just don't want to brand exclusivity <laughs> right now. Like Hellblade, obviously they showed the logos at the end, but that's been announced for Xbox only for quite some time now. Uh, best ongoing game was given to Cyberpunk 2077. This is another game that they were allowed to receive on stage no offense but once again i would have rather it if anyone else best indie game let best indie game uh speak on stage we don't need cd project Red to accept this uh award personally uh then we got a few trailers last sentinel zero interest in that i'm just not interested in full cg trailers i just personally don't care you know about cg trailers they you know, whatever. I, I want some gameplay. I I don't. I, I I can't tell what your game is about if uh, some you know animation studio made it. Uh, then there was Mecha Break, a mech multiplayer game that looked kind of cool. Dead of Wolves, another. It's supposed to be like a sci-fi heist multiplayer game. Another CG trailer. Nothing to really see here. And then uh, Exoborn, which is supposed to be an extraction shooter. Not for me, uh, but looked kind of cool. Once again, just all CG. Best Adaptation, another award that, in my opinion, should not have been given out on stage. I think uh, should have, you know, be best score in music to have Square Enix come on stage. Um, you know, yes, it made sense because the Fallout, it was, you know, the Fallout actors came out. 
good synergy, right? They're an adaptation that's coming out next year. They're giving out the best adaptation award. But um, yeah, just have them give anything else out and still that segment could have still worked, right? But I think for a best adaptation, number one, it's not a video game, right? It's it's a, a, a adaptation from Hollywood. Uh, and then the second thing is that 90... 9.99% of people knew The Last of Us was going to win. So it's like, well, what's what's the point here, right? We all know Neil Druckmann's going to come up and talk. I think he's accepted enough awards. There was really no need for this to be given out on stage. Uh, then came one of the other big announcements, which was Like No Fire from Hello Games, the team behind No Man's Sky. So this is going to be their first game in like a decade or something like that, something crazy. And... This was kind of interesting because it's supposed to be just a planet. Apparently, it's a procedurally generated planet uh, the size of planet Earth. So there are different biomes and mountains and countries on land masses and things like that that you can explore with friends. And the concept is really cool. I saw some people online sort of saying, like, how could this guy do this again? Like, how could Sean Murray make the same mistake of announcing something so ambitious. And I feel like that's mean-spirited. I think that they've more than proven, <laughs> right, giving away like 20 free expansions. Uh, it took them a while, but the game did at some point reach their original vision. So I I don't think there's really, really a reason to doubt that they can make this work. What they have deemed the first true open world, a world without boundaries. Um, yeah, it, honestly, I was really blown away by the graphics. I, I'm kind of still, I still can't believe the game is going to look that good, to tell you the truth. It felt a little bit bullshot to me, but the concept and everything honestly sounds pretty cool. Not a fan of the name, not not a big fan of Light No Fire. Uh, I really don't like that, that name. But uh, yeah, overall, I thought it looked really cool. We got to look at Stormgate, which is from Frost Giant Studios, which is made up of old Blizzard devs. Uh, that's an RTS. Then we got another rapid fire round. We got best action adventure went to Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I was kind of surprised by this. Uh, first, I was like, oh, man, I wonder why Alan Wake 2 didn't win. But then honestly, action adventure. Yeah, I, I, I kind of would give it to Legend of Zelda. I think that's a good one. Uh, that was the one award that they won. Then we got Final Fantasy. Oh, wait, hold on. That wasn't rapid fire. I'm sorry. Yeah. Aonuma did come up to accept it and he was played off. So, <laughs> so uh, once again, I think it was like 40 seconds in, they, they played the, uh, the wrap it up music. And we found out after the show that all nominees were told that they had 30 seconds, which is just way too low. I think even the Oscars is 60 seconds minimum. 30 seconds is way too low. Um, Five by sixteen is getting two expansions that was announced, and then we got a, a this was definitely rapid fire. We got best RPG Baldur's Gate three. Some people were surprised that this wasn't given out on stage. Uh, actually, this is only being given out on stage once, and it was actually the side of the stage. Monster Hunter World won best RPG one year, and it was given away. I think it was a pre-show, or it was at some point uh, at, on the side of the stage. This has never been given out on the main stage. So I personally wasn't surprised. I actually agree, especially because of the winner, you know, it, with it being Baldur's Gate three, I think it's fine that, that this was one of the rapid fire ones. Best sim strategy went to Pikmin four. So Nintendo had a pretty good show. 
Uh, that's pretty cool. That's another category that has never been given out on stage. Even sports racing has been given out on stage once. I'm pretty sure Sim Strategy has never been given out on stage. Best sports racing went to Forza Motorsport. Um, best multiplayer was Baldur's Gate 3, which I thought was kind of surprising, but then, you know, it really wasn't much of a selection here. Player's Voice, which was the fan-voted one, I was surprised this went to Baldur's Gate. I thought it was going to go to Genshin again, even though, in my opinion, Genshin shouldn't have even been nominated here again. But uh, that went to Baldur's Gate 3. And then um, Best Game Direction went to Alan Wake 2, and that was an on-stage award. And then during that announcement, they announced that New Game Plus is coming December 11th. That has a new ending, new videos, manuscript pages, and a nightmare difficulty level. I might definitely, I, I definitely might replay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a hundred percent not playing on nightmare. Uh, uh-uh. no, thank you. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I don't have the time for that. Uh, then there was a finals trailer. The finals released officially across, uh, steam, PlayStation, Xbox. We can play it now. And then the big trailer to close out the show was monster hunter wilds by, uh, Capcom. I actually felt like the, the finisher should have been Blade, in my opinion. I think that was kind of a bigger thing. Monster Hunter Wilds has been rumored for a while. Um, so yeah, uh, I was kind of surprised that this was the one that closed out the show. And then finally, we had a uh, game of the year, which was Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, should have been, to no one's surprise, <laughs> and that Baldur's Gate 3 won. And apparently, Larian forgot to mention that the game was also dropping on Xbox that same day. So the show wrapped up and all these tweets started flying by like, hey, Baldur's Gate just came out. It was interesting too, is that before game of the year was handed out, there was an advertisement run for the deluxe edition. So as that commercial was playing, I was like, oh, maybe they're going to use this time to announce the Xbox release date, but they didn't. And then they just forgot. Apparently they just forgot when they received the award, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, so yeah, that was the end of the show. In terms of publisher counts for game of the year, for those wondering, Nintendo is 10 nominations, one win. Uh, that was Breath of the Wild. Sony is 12 nominations, two wins. That's Last of Us Part Two and God of War Ragnarok. Xbox is technically three and zero. And uh, like I said, maybe um, Hellblade 2 might be there closest they can get to finally getting a game award or excuse me game of the year award something they they haven't done um another interesting statistic that came out of the show is that this is playstation's first year in eight years that they did not win a single award uh the closest of course was bad best adaptation for the last of us but in terms of a video game award they actually won zero um now a lot of there was some controversy i don't want to call it controversy but there were a lot of spider-man playstation fans who were upset not only that i lost game of the year but that it didn't win absolutely anything um now game of the year there was literally zero there was zero shot that spider-man was going to win in my opinion I, i brought this up during the nomination episode it shouldn't have even been nominated. I don't think Spider-Man 2 should have been nominated for Game of the Year. But even if you knock out Baldur's Gate, it still loses to Alan Wake 2, and it still loses to Legends of the Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, and then personally for me, I would definitely pick Resident Evil 4 over it. Uh, I haven't played enough of Mario Brothers Wonder to, to give my opinion on that. But yeah, 
obviously Baldur's Gate 3 was was deserving of the game of the year. That's why I said that this was really a one versus one. It was either going to be Baldur's or Alan Wake 2. As the rest of the show showed, those two are the ones that racked up the uh, the most awards. But the thing about Spider-Man is that there wasn't any category that they could have won. They were nominated for innovation accessibility. Forza Motorsport created a new piece of technology that allowed a completely blind person to race in the video game. That's that's a, that's as that's as innovative as it gets. You're not going to win that one, right? Then they got best performance. Yuri Lowenthal. That was my favorite performance of the year, honestly. But I also never played Baldur's Gate. I didn't play Final Fantasy, so I don't really know um, those two. Um, but in my opinion, my, my personal favorite performance of the year was definitely Alan Wake, uh, which was Ilya and I forget the name of the voice actor. But I feel like those two, they should have been the first ever dual nomination because, you, you, you know, you have the physical and then you have the voice. You can't have one without the other. They definitely should have been nominated. That was one of the, the biggest robberies of the uh, of the year. Um, I feel like best performance probably would have been in closest for Spider-Man. But if you look at some of the other categories, best narrative, there's no way they were going to beat Alan Wake or Baldur's Gate. Uh, even in Final Fantasy 16, they weren't going to beat them. Best audio design, no one was going to beat Hi-Fi Rush. Literally, the entire game was designed around the audio. You can't beat that. Best action adventure, there's no way uh, Spider-Man is more deserving than Tears of the Kingdom or Alan Wake 2 in this category. The other one was player's voice. Hey, you guys could have won that, but uh, you guys didn't vote enough, I guess. Uh, and then best game direction. There's no way you're beating Alloway too. So honestly, in any of these categories, there's really none here where Spider-Man, in my opinion, was robbed of anything. Uh, Yuri Lowenthal did an amazing job as Peter Parker. Uh, I would have been happy if he would have won. but and And I can't really sit here and say like he was robbed because... I didn't play Baldur's Gate 3, so I can't really say that. So, overall, the Game Awards. Um, Let me see if I can pull up um, the tweet that I sent as soon as the show wrapped up. Let me see if if I can bring that back up. This was the tweet I sent as soon as the award show was over. The most disappointing Game Awards so far. I knew Jeff wouldn't address layoffs, but in a year where thousands of deaths have been treated as disposable, to watch yet another three and a half hours of ads and 10 minutes of awards was so astronomically disrespectful. The Game Awards rushes acceptance speeches and rapid fires awards to hurry up and get to the next commercial, but Kojima is given eight minutes to reveal absolutely nothing about his next game. Now, this is something that was echoed by a lot of people. And it's interesting because if you listen to Camp Koji, I brought this up every year for the past for the entirety of Camp Koji as a show. Because the last within the last three years were, were, was when the scales really tipped for the Game Awards. I would say it was probably around 1819 was really where you started seeing this shift where it began skewing so heavily towards advertisements. And these reveal trailers are advertisements, right? When a trailer is you know, shown at the game awards. This isn't free. It's not like, it's not like Jeff goes to, 
you know, Xbox and says, Hey, is there a trailer you can give me so I can put at the, at the, uh, at the game awards? It's one of those things where Jeff Keighley says, Hey, I have five minutes to sell you. Would you like to buy five minutes? And that's really what it is. These, uh, moments in time, no matter how long that trailer lasts, that's paid for, right? Those, those things are sold. And the reason why is because the 2022 Game Awards, the viewership was 103 million. Every other, I think that's more than like probably the Grammys, Oscars, and Emmys probably combined. And one of the reasons why is number one is this is broadcast worldwide. And then number two, Jeff Kelly does something that those other award shows don't, which is he leverages the internet. So this thing... You know, you can watch it on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. There's so many ways um, to watch the show. But once you have that type of viewership, then those spots become extremely lucrative. And some estimates are saying that um, some spots could go up to six figures. And that's probably definitely like the last trailer would probably be a minimum of six figures. And... Unfortunately, it feels like that's sort of what's happening here. Uh, it, it, and this is obviously just a feeling. I, I don't know this for a fact. But when you look at this show and the fact that, number one, it's always been like this. When people talk about like, wow, look at them rapid firing awards. This has been like that since the very beginning. Since Game Awards 2014, there's always been moments where they just sort of give out awards. And back then it was actually worse. For the first few years, it was literally like Jeff on the side talking to someone and Jeff would be like, oh, by the way, you guys won best soundtrack. And he would just hand them the trophy. Like it was so awkward and weird. But that's worse because they didn't even mention the nominees back then. So it's weird because it's technically better, right? Even if it's rapid fire, they're showing the nominations. The other thing is that for the past few years, we've averaged 11 to 13 um, awards being given out attached to a speech, meaning that someone's able to actually receive the award. In the first few years, I think it was like eight or nine or something like that. And I think some of the best game awards, when you look back and watch them, was probably like around 2015, 16. That was when I feel like there was a, a, a nice and healthy balance. It was still very much like the Game Awards. It was like our thing. Now you can see that scale really heavily tip, where it just really feels like, it almost feels like internally at the Game Awards, that like they have like a sales team. And the sales team, their job is, is to sell time. You know, like... Hey, you got a trailer. We need four minutes. Well, how about we give you six minutes and you can talk about your game for two of those minutes, right? So Sean Murray with like Light No Fire, he not only showed that trailer, but before it, he got like three to four minutes to show like a, a trailer of like the first 10 years of No Man's Sky. He was able to actually talk about it. That's probably all paid for also. Same thing with like Blade. When the Blade trailer ended, uh, a representative for Marvel and then director, I, I forgot his name, of, of the game for R.K. Leon, they spoke about the game for literally no reason because they don't really even reveal anything, right? Um, 
Uh, he just, I guess, confirmed it was third person. That was probably the biggest key piece of information. He did say it was second Paris, but you could tell from the trailer that it was set in Paris. And and it just sort of feels like, it feels almost like malicious in a, in, in a sense, where it feels like internally they're like, every second, every minute that we're giving away an award is a minute that I can't sell, is a minute that I can't attach to an advertiser or a trailer. It just especially sucked this year because I knew for a fact Jeff Keighley was not going to say anything. And the reason why he's not going to say anything is because this year, estimates are, are growing that it's over 10,000 people lost their job this year in the industry. Who's firing those people? Publishers. Uh, who is the main reason 103 million people are watching this? Publishers, right? So I think for Jeff, it's one of those things where it's like he might not have wanted to say anything, but he's he may, might be afraid. He might be afraid if he brings it up that publishers are going to be like, oh, for real? You calling us the bad guys? Like, yeah, of course we're the bad guys, but you can't tell people we're the bad guys. We're not going to give you any more trailers. And, you know, we're living this moment right now where Jeff has two events now to worry about. He has his E3 competitor in Southern Game Fest. He has actually three. He has Game Gamescom opening live, and he has the Game Awards. And it's almost like these three shows are tied to publishers. And without them, these shows do not exist. And the thing about it is I think a lot of publishers like being a part of these shows. I think a lot of them understand the value of showing a trailer at the Game Awards. But for them, it's like, oh, if I don't have to, I, I could just show my own thing. You know, I could, I could just do this on my own. I can do my Xbox could have done their own event at some point next year and put Blade in there, for example. I think people would have been just happy, just, just as happy, right? Um, so I, I understand why he didn't say anything, but then it's almost like salt in the wound. So that also in a year where so many publishers and the, or excuse me, so many developers feel disposable to almost then be publicly treated as disposable. There was a moment during the game of the year speech where the head of Larian was talking about the team members that they lost along the way, team members that passed away while working on the video game. And in the middle of that speech of him saying like, you know, talking about, especially one person, I think, I think it was like the head of animation. I think it was, I could be wrong. Um, and they're specifically bringing them up and then they cut to the rest of the Larian Studios team and they're obviously getting really emotional because, you know, obviously you lose a colleague along the way. He's probably a, a, basically like a member of the family to them. And they they flash the please wrap it up sign to him. It was so, like, there are so many of those moments. I was like, wow, this is so gross and disrespectful. And the only thing that Jeff has had to say was he tweeted once about it and he said, yeah, I told my team not to be so aggressive with the wrap it up music. Eh, kind of just sounds like you just throw your team under the bus because that, that, that feels and sounds like a very perfect excuse. So you're telling me you told your team that, but it happened every single speech. Almost pretty much every single speech had a, a, a wrap it up music played to it. So I, I really you know, personally don't believe that. I'm, I might make a video on this. I'm not 100% sure about it. But, you know, the Game Awards has been like this for a while. And I know that there's some people that are like, 
you know, oh, there are other award shows. Why are you guys so worried or hung up on this? It's simple. It's like this is our premier award show. This is the big one. And I think it is healthy for everyone, fans, developers alike, to want to see a better balance to this. And the fact that a better balance can be found, there are things that could be done. I understand that not every single award can be given out. I get that. I, I 100% understand that. But it, there has to be something that could be done. Even if it's something as simple as just like, you know, I don't know. Like there's obviously a lot of things that could be done. There's not enough time during the podcast to go through them. But it just feels like this show is it's weird because it always opens up with Jeff Keighley talking about this is a night where we celebrate gaming. But what he really means is this is the night where we celebrate the future of gaming. And it's like it's it's weird because it's like the most excited Jeff Keighley gets is when he announces something. It's like that Sega trailer ends, that God of War trailer. Oh, yeah. He's like super excited. Oh, I bet you guys didn't see that one coming. And it just feels like Jeff Kelly is way more excited to show us a trailer for five Sega games that who knows when these five games will be all out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll probably be like 2033 by the time we see all five of these games. Who knows? And it's like he's like super excited and hype about these announcements for games that we won't see for years. And it just feels like he's way more excited about what's coming in five years than what just happened during the year of 2023. It's like, isn't that the reason why we're here? Aren't we here to celebrate uh, video games for the year, not celebrate what's happening in 2026, right? Uh, yeah. High releases for the week, December 11th, we got Alan Wake 2. Final Draft New Game Plus that comes out to PC, PS5, Xbox Series X. Apparently, Assassin's Creed Mirage is also getting a New Game Plus at some point this week. I couldn't find a specific date. December 12th is that God of War Ragnarok Valhalla DLC. Remember, it's free. PS4, PS5. December 13th is the official release date or ready, ready or not. 1.0. And then December 14th, GTA Trilogy Definitive Edition comes to iOS, Android via Netflix. Remember, you need a Netflix account to um to play that uh no wrap it up but uh shout out shout out of the week just goes to developers man i mean this has been definitely one of the best years of gaming we've ever seen um obviously one of the most competitive years for awards this year um it's kind of one of those things where it's like no matter who wins it's like Man, they, they deserved it because there were so many top-tier amazing games released this year. So, um, And then, obviously, to have all of these losses happen in the same exact year. You know, there's often so many times that I cover stories on Camp Koji, especially stories of, of, about crunch or harassment or layoffs. And just our industry as a whole, you know, union busting and the whole concept of contract work and like I said, how disposable it must feel to, to be a video game employee um, at, a, at a publisher or, or, or a big developer, especially. And through all of that, we still have people who are continually signing up and every single day working their asses off to deliver this amazing piece of entertainment for, for us. So 
shout out to every single person out there who's who's building video games right now thank you guys so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and youtube at camp koji for future updates once again i'm joel and i'll see you all next week